Hey, and welcome to Fit Me to Rock Fitness Podcast, a podcast for people who want to get no BS information about fitness and know that fitness is about so much more than losing scale weight. It's about feeling confident in your skin and empowered in your life. I'm your host, Tura Virta, personal trainer, strength and nutrition coach, and most of all, a husband of my beautiful wife, Miriam. Each week, my guests and me will give you some no BS fitness tips and motivate you to take action in your own personal fitness journey as we talk about nutrition, exercise, mindset, personal development, and executing in life with enjoyable but still effective strategies. If your goal is to look better, feel and be strong and experience transformation from inside out, you, my friend, are in the right place. Thank you for jumping in. And now let's jump into today's episode. So welcome to Fit Me Tour of Fitness Podcast. And uh, today I'm honored to have an amazing guest, uh, personal trainer, nutrition coach, and uh, best-selling author of uh, Menopocalypse, Amanda Thieb. So Amanda is uh, one of the best coaches I know for uh, women who are experiencing menopause, hell, and uh, want to start feeling healthy and uh, fit in their 40s and beyond. So first of all, Amanda, thank you so much for coming to my podcast and uh, I just would like to get started so tell a little bit to my audience about you and um, like who you are what you are doing and let's start with that and so how I ended up where I am I imagine before I start I just want to give you a big round of applause because I wrote the book Menopocalypse and literally nobody can say it and you just nailed it straight away and it's one of those I'm like it's obviously I'm talking about the apocalypse so it's menopause anyway so you know um personal trainer nutrition coach so I'm now coming up to 52 and when I was in my 20s I just well even as a teen loved fitness I was into martial arts and um, I'd done that for about 10-15 years as a kid so even I worked in a bank and I worked in IT and stuff like that as a career, but as a passion, I loved fitness. So I got all of my qualifications that we all have, like my personal training qualification. I actually started off with group exercise like Jane Fonda. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to work for Schwinn for a long time when they brought the spin bikes over to the UK. So that was quite cool for a while. And um then did the nutrition coaching with Precision Nutrition. I've sort of got the standard fitness credentials that most of us have um, and lots of subspecialties like pre-postpartum like or natal. I think it depends where you are like for mm. pregnant women, um, rehabilitation for um, elderly fitness. I've worked with professional athletes with the NBA and um, the Canadian um, Football League. I've, so I've worked with a full spectrum of women. And so when I entered my 40s, I was like, I feel like I'm a good role model. I don't have a big ego. I give out valid information. And for women going into their 40s, I think I'm a good person to sort of like relate to. But then when I was about 42, I started feeling unwell. I'd just been to a boxing class and I started, um, it was a really hard session, you know, when you just want to go really, really hard. And I had the energy then I felt a bit unwell afterwards. And for about two or three days, I couldn't get out of bed. I had what just felt like dizziness or vertigo. I couldn't walk. I had to crawl on my hands and knees. I was throwing up and I was like, oh, I've just got this terrible virus. And it got better. But then it happened again a couple of weeks later. And then it just kept happening for a few months. I just kept getting these waves of vertigo and feeling really, really unwell. I went to my doctor and he said, you know what, let's just get it checked out. So he sent me to a neurologist and a vestibular um, rehabilitation specialist, which is essentially a physio for balance and and vertical. And then honestly, I'll fast forward now for two years because I literally spent two years in the system with lots of doctors, ear, nose, throat doctors, neurologists, etc., trying to help what was my issue and they couldn't get to the root cause of it they just said we can see you're not well but we don't know why um we can't help you and um I by this time my mood was completely different my personality was completely different over this two-year period I didn't recognize myself I couldn't from someone who was 
I don't know if you're like this. I think the fitness people tend to be a bit show-offy. We love parties and we like going out and being the center of attention. And I went from being that person to being someone that never left the house unless I had to go to my job to coach people or to pick my kids up from school. I just sit on the sofa for the rest of the day in this really, really dark place. Um, other things that came came upon me were things like incontinence. I was like, what the hell is this all about? I, I've had two children like five years ago, and now I can't run up the stairs without peeing myself. Oh, and my kids would jump out at me to scare mm-hmm. me. I'd like, I'd pee myself. And I just was, I felt like my body was betraying me. I just felt literally the lowest I've ever felt in my life. I've never had any depression or anything. And so anyway, um, rushing forward, I went to a gynecologist for an annual checkup. And he sort of said, how's everything going? And I started crying and just said, hey, it's awful. And I told him the whole story. And he just said, yeah, this is perimenopause. Welcome to the club type thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? What's perimenopause? Which is, and this conversation was nearly 10 years ago now, Turo. And I, mm-hmm. no one was, I'm saying no one, nobody in my world or in my circles was talking about perimenopause. I've, I was now... 44 I'd been struggling with symptoms for two years I felt very unwell and my whole personality had changed and um and he was saying yeah this is what happens if you had any hot flashes yet and I was like oh my god go fuck yourself essentially because I was like what's going on like isn't isn't like I'd never heard the word perimenopause but I assumed the word menopause was for people a lot older than me Mm. and your periods just stopped you got a few hot flashes and then that was it and I just downplayed it in my mind because nobody had told me the importance the importance of it no one had spoken to me about this in the fitness world in the nutrition world in any of my school education, nobody talked to me about this life phase and how it's inevitable and we all, all women have to go through it, but it can be brutal as well. Mm-hmm. And, and no woman should suffer. Every woman should get help. And I sort of left that doctor's appointment thankful that I knew what was wrong or what was the cause of my issues. My husband, I met him for lunch and he was like, oh my God, thank God, I thought you were going to leave me because I just hadn't been participating in our marriage in any aspect at all. I'd completely withdrawn. And um, I just was then determined to just start talking about it. So I wrote a couple of blog posts. I started being a little bit more open about it, about my own personal journey. And then I completely connected with the experts who deal with menopause from a medical aspect every single day of their lives. And um, I feel like by the time I'd done all of that, I was in a good place to write, almost like a best friend's guide to menopause. Like why why we need to know about it, what it is, what treatment options are available. And then in our world, Turo, the second part of the book is all about what you need to do as a woman going through perimenopause proactively for the rest of your life from a symptom perspective, from a, all health you know, causes um, perspective, meaning like to take care of our heart and our lungs and, and our insulin response and all of those things, all the things we know about as um, coaches, I sort of bridged those two worlds. And I wanted to just give women the tools to be able to say, all right, this is what's going to happen to me. I now know what to do. I'm now not going to be bamboozled like Amanda was and like hundreds and thousands of other women are. Yeah, no, I, that's an amazing story. And, uh, and uh, to be honest, uh, I haven't read your book, but uh, just what you said that uh, how much even it's not directly to me, but uh, I know that with that information, what you are telling there, like, uh, I know that I'm, I'm going to help so many people, like as that is also like uh, one of the most common clients who I work with are like older women who are, Either they have, they are in a menopause or going through. Obviously, sy- symptoms are for each individual different. So, what is a, what is a, that's a uh, that's a that's a great like. So what is the what is the difference between perimenopause and uh, menopause? Because that is something like what you said. Like that, I was I had a podcast before with the Kim's Luck, and uh, she explained it. But if there is somebody in audience like uh, who doesn't know it, and I'm sure there is, because that's something. If you didn't know, I was not aware of those old term term terms like what is what is um, happening. So what is the difference? Yeah, 
And I don't care if I say this a thousand times either, because not everybody knows. And honestly, every time I explain this, somebody else goes, why didn't I know this? And and I'm glad you're listening because, you know, my husband needed to know this too. My children needed to know this too. This shouldn't be just a secret that we only share amongst women who are in their 40s and 50s and beyond, right? This, everybody should know about this. So first of all, thank you for being that person that wants to listen. So essentially, menopause, um, well, well, first of all, we can break the menopause whole journey into three areas, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. And if we start in the middle at menopause, which is the term we hear all the time, that's essentially a retrospective date. It's a date that where a woman can put a hand on her heart and say, okay, I can look back 12 months and see that I haven't had a menstrual cycle. That's all it means. And, and and it's flexible in its timing because it might be 11 months. It might be 13 months. I mean, who knows? It doesn't really matter. But when you haven't had a cycle for about a year, then you're considered to be in menopause. So it's almost like a time stamp for one day. The time leading up to menopause is called perimenopause or sometimes referred to as the menopause transition. And it can start in a woman's late 30s and um, can last between eight to 10 years. The average age for women going through menopause currently is about 51. That's in North America. It might be less in different countries. But if you think think, think about it, that means that most women during their 40s are going to go through the menopause transition, are going to go through perimenopause. And I usually like have a graph if I'm doing a visual. Um, but if you imagine um, the two main sex hormones in a, a woman for a woman are progesterone and estrogen. And estrogen falls in a almost like a roller coaster manner. It fluctuates up and down as it declines down to a very low level. Progesterone is almost a little bit smoother in a slide type motion. And so you've got these two hormones falling um, over an eight to 10 year period, but with, with high fluctuations of estrogen going up and down and up and down. And so a woman can be presented with symptoms and they don't always sort of make sense. And they don't make sense for two reasons. One, because of the fluctuations, you might feel great one day and terrible the next day and for, and you haven't done anything different. And the other reason that the symptoms tend not to make a lot of sense is because although estrogen is primarily made in the ovaries for reproductive health, there are estrogen receptors all over the body. This was something I didn't realize till I started digging into the book. We have estrogen receptors that protect our heart, our joints, our guts. It crosses the blood-brain barrier. It impacts how our, the size of our brain, our brain in perimenopause actually shrinks considerably. And um, then it regrows again in post-menopause. There's some really great studies in New York to show this on MRI scans. But the idea that like our brain shrinks means that a lot of women present with neurological symptoms that are usually misdiagnosed by the medical community. Like me, I had depression, I had migraines, anxiety, brain fog, cognitive impairment. Like all of these are all neurological symptoms that on their own, if you looked at them, don't look like they should be hormonal, but they tend to be if you're in this age range. So you've got potentially 34, 50 symptoms, who knows, there's a lot. Most women experience them in perimenopause. One third of women in in perimenopause will have life-altering symptoms. I think that's the category I fell into. About two thirds of women will experience symptoms, but it doesn't mean that they're going to be severe. Some are, some aren't. And then there's a whole tranche of women that go through it that don't have any symptoms. So, you know, there's a big spectrum of how perimenopause looks. Like you said, it's very unique. So then we get to menopause and we know that we haven't had a period for 12 months and anything after that date, you are in post-menopause or considered to be menopausal. Those words are interchangeable. And um, women who were very symptomatic in perimenopause tend to find that in the three to five year window after menopause their symptoms start to die down and not many women when they're into their postmenopausal years are left with many symptoms they usually get better apart from 
There's about 10% of women will continue to have vasomotor symptoms, which are hot flashes, night sweats, cold sweats. They're all temperature regulation. Potentially some depressions may hang around, especially if you already went into menopause with mental health and mental wellness issues. Um, And then GSM, GSM stands for the genitourinary symptoms of menopause, which is sometimes called vaginal atrophy, but essentially anything in the pelvis region to do with the integrity of that area, which can include um, UTIs, uh, urinary tract infections, vaginal infections, dryness, receding of tissues, tearing of tissues, painful sex, incontinence issues. All of these fall within the pelvis area. And that usually doesn't show up until women are in their like 60s. And it's maybe after having 10 years of not having an estrogen feeding that area, they start to show up with these problems. And their solutions for that are actually easy, cheap, and available to all women. And so actually the education post-menopause is as important as the education for perimenopause in my mind. Wow, that's uh, that's so much new information. Like, uh, like that it's it's so I'm so honored to have you here to, to share all this information. So, when it's uh, when it comes then uh, when you have those kind of symptoms like um, hot flashes, uh, those hormonal imbalances, is there something what you can do like naturally, or or is there some like a therapy hormonal uh, therapy? What you what? It depends, right? Yeah, for sure. There's a treatments available. So. When I'd like to just um, emphasize that when I talk about menopause, I don't talk about this as an opinion. I use the medical consensus. You know, the information is out there. I feel like I'm just like a hub to just spout out the medical mm-hmm. um, information as we know it, because it matters to me from an integrity standpoint that I don't become too opinionated about anything, that I just talk about treatment options as we know them. And so... Um, If a woman is presenting with severe symptoms, that can include the vasomotor symptoms, the temperature stuff we talked about, which are really, really awful when women have them because they can have 30 or 40 of these a day. It can be horrible. Um, Sleep issues, um, some neurological issues, like we said, like the um, brain fog, depression, anxiety, that type of thing, Um, and also vaginal issues. If women present to their medical professional with those because they feel as though their quality of life is impacted, then they should be offered menopause hormone therapy. In the UK, they call it HRT, hormone replacement therapy, which isn't really a very accurate term for it because we're not replacing hormones. We're literally sort of topping up, essentially. It's quite a very low level that women are offered a lot less than the original hormones they had and a lot less than birth control. It's a, it sort of adds like an equilibrium. It's those crazy estrogen fluctuations can calm down a bit when you're on like an additional amount of estrogen. So that's why it's given. There are some risks associated with it and there are some benefits associated with it. It really depends on the individual and their circumstances. Um, If you want to afterwards, I can send some resources to help women navigate this. The main thing that I would say about this without going into too much detail is that the majority of women who have severe symptoms, who try hormone um, therapy, feel better when they're on it. Right. So like it and it's safe. We know that it doesn't cause um, cancers. But if a woman has um estrogen-related cancers in the past, like breast cancer, then it probably isn't going to be a good fit for you because all cancers feed, all estrogens feed your cancer. So there's always going to be exceptions. And this is when it's super important to have a team of medical professionals that will look at your whole health history and determine if it's appropriate for you. So, But I will also say that um, I feel as though we've gone from the 19 sort of like, well, 2002 is when women stopped taking hormone therapy because of a, an inaccurately um, portrayed study that was done. Women stopped taking it for fear of catching breast cancer from hormone therapy. It's since been sort of like reviewed, overturned, and it's not the case. We can categorically say hormone therapy does not cause 
breast cancer. But the pendulum has swung the other way. And especially in the UK, I, I see essentially the message that hormone therapy is for everyone. Every woman should be on it. And it's gone too far the other way, in my opinion. What really happens in the middle and what's the, the all of the medical societies talk about all the time, but don't have the loud amplified voices is that hormone therapy should be the first line consideration for mo- most women. There are going to be women that hormone therapy is contraindicated against. And that can be for a number of reasons, the main one being an estrogen positive breast cancer. And then there are women that try it. And I can put my hand up and say, this is me. Hormone therapy made me worse. It was a horrible fit for me. And if you're sensitive to hormones, which many women can be, it can feel terrible, right? So consider hormone therapy. It's okay if it doesn't work for you because there are also non-hormonal pharmaceuticals. Ultimately, the best fit for me for my chronic migraines and my depression was a low-dose antidepressant, which had off-label benefits of helping with vasomotor symptoms. There are actually a whole load of anti-seizure, anti-depressants and anti-anxiety medication that can help with other symptoms as well that are related to menopause. And that's good news for women who are breast cancer survivors. Moving away from that, there are some complementary therapies that people try like acupuncture um, and herbs. I don't like to comment on those because the studies aren't strong enough. Mm -hmm. They're not recommended highly enough by the medical societies yet. Um, And so until robust data is available, I'm like, yeah, try if you want. It can probably do you no harm, but not all herbs and supplements are harmless either. They're not regulated and taking too many can cause issues and also have contraindications with other medications. So be careful if you go down that route. Moving on from that, like um, I highly recommend if it's available, psychological treatment, like if you need to see a therapist, cognitive behavioral therapy can be really helpful. We've seen that that can actually change the way the brain functions. And that's been shown in MRI scans. So That's valid. Um, A pelvic floor physiotherapist, if you're struggling with vaginal incontinence and tightness and all of those can be a really great like health professional to add. And then last of all, all of the lifestyle stuff, all of it, Turo. And I'm talking about not just eating well and moving a bit more um, purposefully and with a little bit more focus Um, But how we approach aging, that's one of the big things I talk about all the time is that, you know, menopause can often be associated with being like past it or um, invisible or on the scrap heap. I I did a post yesterday where women in a conference that I spoke to said they're so tired of the narrative out there saying that they're deteriorating. It's so harmful and it's just not true. And so the, the mindset and the words we use as we age matter and then focusing on sleep and um, stress. So it's a big puzzle for me. Yeah. I don't think one size fits all. And it, it's tiresome when I hear that there's a panacea out there. There is no magic pill. There isn't. Yeah. And we have to stop talking like that. Yeah, no, that's, I love it. And that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, but now like people are searching that one magic pill. And uh, then when you are telling that, um, there is not one that there is uh, it's not that what you're looking at there are many possibilities but uh, like you said that i think i'm also a big believer that mind mind is most uh, powerful thing like what you can have and uh, it has proven like so many studies that how much uh, is that placebo effect and uh, and how much it, it's it's uh, affecting if you actually believe or how if you are thinking how the ways how you are thinking like if you are more like a positive person or are you a person who is always seeing only troubles and problems and uh, and that uh, i'm not just losing weight or i'm not i'm having this and it's just wait how it is and there is no way out from this and that until you are believing that uh, it, it's going to be so hard and i think the placebo effect is about 30 percent, right is like an improvement from some of the stuff i've read i'm not i'm not like dying on this hill or anything but I can say from a personal standpoint when I was deep in a depression that I literally couldn't get out of which was made worse by hormone therapy in my case that can happen I just thought I don't want to wake 
up every morning and feel like this? And is this how I'm going to be now? Am I literally looking down the lens of another 30 or 40 years feeling as bad as this? And so I I completely understand it when women say like, I, I like stop talking about mindset, stop talking about exercise because I hate my life and I hate the way I look. And I'm, I'm saying to you, I understand. I empathize mm. with you because I was that person. But you have to look at this from a, a multi-pronged approach. If your life is that bad and you're suffering, you've got to get medical help. You just have to. It's important. It's imperative. And that may or may not be hormone therapy. You'll find what's good for you. But if you're doing those things and you're not looking at the other aspects of your life, you're missing some of the most important pieces of the puzzle. And so, and and the idea that you're literally going to deteriorate and be full of disease and deficiencies as you age is medically incorrect and also doing all women a disservice. Mm. Like I hate, I, I'm really vocal about this and people are like, why do you care? And I'm like, I care because um, I don't, as a 52 year old woman, don't want to be considered to be deficient in any way or deteriorating. I think that that I actually fight back at that narrative more than anything and want to, and want to be stronger than ever when people say that, right? Not just physically, but emotionally as well. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's not it's like uh, so somebody who said it like uh, it's that it's it's in in your mind, but this is that is so true. Like that you can you can it's it's only number what you see in your ID card, and uh, and that's it's it sounds like a little bit corny, but it's it's actually true. Yeah, how do we how do we give those messages to her when? We know, like from a behavioral science standpoint and from a like a exercise phys- physiology point, like this, this is our world. How do we not diminish somebody's experience by saying, yes, you know, there's so much you can do from a mindset standpoint. It almost sounds like you're just saying it's all in your head and we're not saying that at all, but we do know that those things work. And so mm-hmm. I find as somebody in social media like yourself, I don't have 300,000 people on TikTok, though. <laughs> He's trying to persuade me to go on, and I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's that how do you give a balanced conversation without diminishing somebody's responsibility and without trying to sell them a magic pill? Mm-hmm. No, eating eating five servings of edamame is not going to stop like menopause happening. And, like, you know, I just look at women and say, please just stop and think before you just take in what people say. If they're bamboozling you and trying to upsell you with something that they can fix you, then that's a red flag. Yeah, that's a. I was actually going to get a like a a scarf made of red flags, and I was just going to wear them and wave them around every time somebody said some bullshit that is literally out there to exploit women, and it drives me crazy. And if I look like a whinging old hag, then so what? I don't care. I don't no, me, care. me neither. Me neither. Like I don't. I don't. I think we are. We are both in in uh, this industry for same reason. We are here to help people and uh, with uh, honest information. It. If you if you are here, unfortunately, there are so many people who are around who is who are making here the most easiest money as possible. There is nothing wrong with it. That you have some success. Everybody wants success. Everybody wants more money. There is nothing wrong with it. But I personally, I would not live if I would. Uh, give out some bullshit advice from my heart and even it doesn't matter what kind of amount of money I would make I would I would not sleep my nights well if I if I know that I'm misleading people and uh, and uh, giving some advice it's a, it's a other, not, another thing if you are not if you are not knowing better but uh, I agree and you know what like how many times have we said something and then had to come back and say you know what we've learned from this and we've evolved and we know now and I've done that a lot of times I've turned around and sort of said you know I was wrong and this is what we know now because if you don't have the ability to do that then you're not truly embracing the scientific model right which evolves right and so I'm like you if ever I say something I think is wrong I literally lose sleep over it and I just can't I can't be that person, even though I'm outspoken. Like I hate conflict. I hate it. Oh my god! Yeah, no, it's it's. But now it's it's in social media. Like, uh, but it was for me. It was like something like what I like. I stopped to. I, I don't try to please all coaches or you know. If I'm, I don't care. I put put it out. If I'm wrong, 
I, I tell like, you know, there is all the time new studies coming. Like uh, it's not the, if you think like you think back, like I'm, I'm 40, you are 52. If I think that when I was in my twenties, you were in your twenties, what kind of information, like I was there, I was there uh, running with some uh, belly fat uh, belt trying to sweat more on my belly because I thought that that's the best way to lose belly fat I was there I have done it but uh, now when I see that people are marketing like those uh, like that you put some uh, fat burner or or some belt on your belly and you hope that you are losing belly fat from that uh, or or you know I I could not I'm, I'm, I get pissed off but obviously oh I you, do if, as well <laughs> but I've got if you know it's true, and, and so then I think how we use our platform matters. And so I have in the past twice called out somebody personally for the information, and I've tried to do it in a respectful way. Like, do you think that this, this is the best? And and the the backlash from that, the personal attacks that I got from that, and uh, it, it was actually so stressful. It made me not want to do this. And so now I just, if I see something that I know is factually correct, I just put out good information that I think is in line with any consensus or any scientific, like rigorous data. Um, and, and if that means I'm doing an underhand dig at someone, so be it, but I literally can't personally attack and go, go down that route because it's more, my boundaries are better than ever in menopause. Mm -hmm. I went through such a hard time that when I sort of emerged like the, from the cocoon of men, perimenopause, I sort of thought to myself, so what I want to do is I want to give, like you said, honest, truthful information. Mm -hmm. And I want to support um, women through this time. I want to be an educator and an empath. And I want to always maintain my integrity. And if that means saying no to lots of opportunities, like you said, you could have made a lot of money. So could have I all the time. I say no, right? And if it means that like I lose some followers because of my stance, like recently I've been outspoken about women's rights in the USA. Mm -hmm. It's a simple, simple black and white argument for me. If you believe that, like I'm going down the rant now, if you believe abortion should be banned, then really you can't be in my space at all like no. and so and so I'm okay being that person but I it people just need to know that it comes from a really heartfelt place yeah no it's I'm I'm exactly same like you know you have your own opinions and now what I see a lot of in social media what is getting a lot of attention and if you are not in TikTok yet you if you are if you are making sorrows if somebody's attacking you uh you should never ever go to TikTok. It's a, it's a, <laughs> that's the worst platform now. Like if you put, it doesn't matter what information you put, there is always somebody who knows better than you coming to correct you. You asking some studies or something as that. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to. I don't need to put. I don't. I want to. My goal is to put some simple information. What everybody understands and i don't yes. need to i don't need to put some old study numbers what i have read in my posts like uh, who it is helping it helps maybe doctors who want to check those studies but for regular people uh, um, it it really it doesn't help it doesn't yeah. it's just the proving that you are you are talking some truth so that is uh, that is uh, something what i what i and and like social media i'm sure you will get also like a lot of promotions getting some but who if you are ready to sell your soul with uh, getting hundred dollars or something you know yeah. you you are not you are doing it uh, then you get your money but you lose all your uh, respect and uh, everything so that's it you've got no respect yet so uh, what is then something like uh, what I what I, I get a lot of uh, often question like that why is that uh, weight loss in uh, let's talk a little bit back to menopause things like uh, like that weight loss in uh, menopause like what is there some like we talked you talked earlier about hormones so is there is there any any like a uh, uh, reasons because Many women say that uh, losing weight is almost like impossible when you have menopause or it's getting definitely harder. Like, is there some, what are, what yeah. are the reasons for that? So it's interesting. So in my book, um, I have a chapter and it's called, Why Am I So Bloody Fat? Because I didn't want to do a chapter on weight loss, but it's sort of like ignoring the elephant in the room. And regardless of whether we want to talk about it or not, there's a vanity aspect to menopause that women are frustrated with. So, you know, they'll go through all of these symptomatic changes. 
They'll put weight on. They don't recognize themselves. They've got external pressures happening at work with their children, et cetera. And they're getting older. There's wrinkles, there's cellulite, there's gray hair. And so it all seems to happen at once, right? And I think that there's a. this is when we talk about the mindset thing as well. This is like a really hard thing to cope with. It, a lot of women don't like change, but this is a lot of change all at once, right? So um, first of all, so I, I sort of want to, acknowledge that, that we know that most women, about 70% will put on between five and 10 pounds through the menopause transition. So that doesn't mean like overnight. I mean, we already said eight to 10 years is the length of time that um, women can be in perimenopause. And so these things do creep up, up on us. And we can both say with working with so many clients too, or that we've seen this, right? We've seen that um, women can, our men can put weight on and it's never one thing. It never is. Um, and so the knee jerk reaction is to like say, oh, it was all of the rice I was eating. So I'm just going to stop eating rice and bread. And it's just, oh, it, it gets them in a tailspin. Mm-hmm. But they do, but 70% of women do put weight on. So why, right? Why does that happen? Well, it's really interesting. There's no data that specifically says that losing estrogen and progesterone cause weight gain so we can't actually hand on heart say menopause causes weight gain and nobody likes that answer neither do i (laughs) i i didn't like that answer. i love it i love it it's it's a it's it's kind of it's a kind of relief for many like that you know you because we we always you you we have to find some excuse like it's it it's uh, it's a lot easier when you say that it's those hormones like it's because of that and when you when it's the reality is like that you look those small details what you could maybe affect right it's so so right so but then nobody also wants to hear stop blaming menopause for your weight gain because that's simplifying something that's quite complex so you and I know, and hopefully the people that are listening to this podcast know that you can only put weight on if you're in an excess of calories, if your mm-hmm. energy balance is positive, if you're eating more calories than is necessary. Mm-hmm. And yes, like there may be some underlying conditions that make that more challenging. But if you've got underlying conditions, you already know about those like PCOS, or if you already have like um, insulin resistance, or you're even if you're obese, there may be genetic stuff happening. I'm talking about the majority of women that go through menopause, we can't blame our estrogen and progesterone declining for um, their actual weight gain. But what we know happens during that time is a number of things. I told you that estrogen impacts many of our systems in our body. It impacts our hunger hormones. So mm-hmm. ghrelin and leptin are impacted, yeah. which turns around and exposes itself as I'm hungry all the time and I'm never satisfied, yeah. right? And that's happens a lot with women. Symptomatically, if a woman is spending three or four years really struggling with symptoms, which many do, then the hyper-focus isn't on our nutrition or our movement. And so we potentially are overeating, even if it doesn't feel like it. And that's a, and a simple way to understand that is to just look what, like pay attention. And if you if you can track and it doesn't kick off any sort of emotional eating disorders, actually try it for two weeks and you'll see you're likely eating more than your body needs. And I can tell you that I put 10 pound on in perimenopause and I was like, you know, I'm tired of this shit. There's got to be a reason. I tracked my food and I was overeating by about 1200 calories a day and didn't even know, didn't even know. And I do this for a job. Oh my God. I mean, we've seen, we've seen in studies that registered dietitians actually did a, a study where they estimated their calories and they all overestimated about 400 calories a day. It's super hard to do. Mm-hmm. So accept that potentially you're overeating. You're maybe not exercising as much because you literally don't have the energy because chronic fatigue is one of the worst symptoms of menopause, the worst Like our energy metabolism sort of starts in the brain and it's completely impacted. And so you might have been doing tons of exercise before and that's really had to pull back. And while exercise isn't a driver for weight loss, it's part of the conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And then in addition to that, we know that the declining of these hormones makes our body distribute fat in a different way. So we become more heavy in the belly than we do in our like thighs and legs, which are usually there for 
child rearing years. And so because our reproductive system is essentially shutting down, the fat deposits move to our belly. And so that can be difficult to deal with, seeing the whole change of our body. Like, so I, uh, I'll use, keep using myself as an example because I'm the only person I know a lot about. And I, I have lost, lost that 10 pound weight, but my shape is completely different. And I'm like, my exercise is all the same and exercise is the driver for body composition. And so like, we have to have a level of acceptance along the way. And so the other thing as well is, um, you know, the last bit I would say is like the cortisol insulin sort of model and response that like, if we, we sort of talk about them together, we know that estrogen is intrinsically linked with our cortisol um, response. And so women have higher levels of cortisol and that the best way to deal with that is with mindfulness training, sleeping better, walking a lot, and you know, all of the lifestyle things are the best things for managing our stress. And when a woman has high cortisol, it increases her hunger. People say cortisol equals belly fat, but that's not actually Mm -hmm. factually true. It's just a simplification of something. What tends to happen is high belly fat makes us want to eat more. And then our glucose and fructose sensitivity is definitely altered during this time as well. And does that mean we can't eat simple carbohydrates? No. But what it means is they shouldn't be the primary carbohydrates we eat in our diet. You're not 20 anymore, Sheila. You have to look for better quality foods. And so um, taking our carbohydrate focus to really pushing for the whole food sources where possible or the, the, the resistant starches and the complex carbohydrates in the form of vegetables and grains. Like it, the, the diet model doesn't change very much, but the focus needs to look for more fiber, more complex carbohydrates, higher protein intake, because we know that pro- muscle protein synthesis is also impacted. Our ability to gain fat increases and our ability to build muscle and maintain it decreases. So it's all of these things. But the the overlying model to row is what? Calories in, calories out. All of those fall within those areas, but it feels insulting to say that it's not menopause causing these issues because there's underlying things that we can be doing. And honestly, if women were to focus on those things, they would see positive changes for sure. Yeah. No, and that's one thing what I what I would say like that was awesome explanation by the way, and uh, one thing like what I what I hear a lot like that it's that women they are saying that you do exactly same things than before, and that uh, now you are just not able to that every you are having some threat every once in a while you gain weight and you are not able to lose it anymore, and uh, one thing is like also like a uh, many many women like you mentioned a little bit about that uh, muscle mass and uh, strength training like if you if you are not uh, like uh, you have never done strength training like it's when it's at up to 35 you start to lose muscle if you are not fighting against it so if you are not focusing on high protein diet uh, if you are trying to lose weight and uh, and um, resistance training like uh, some lifting weights or using some rubber bands or or even body weight exercises so it's it's all like you have less muscle mass when you age and uh, even you are not changing any like you are eating always same amount of calories you 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 need less and it's not that you are gaining like uh, several pounds or kilos per year but it's coming like you said that it's maybe 10 years 10 pounds like it's 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 that slight increase it creeps it creeps just like sarcopenia creeps on us when you're sedentary and it's just been getting older and being a woman or a man it's just gonna happen with aging but you say you can fight back against that Mm -hmm. and and the thing is the the methods that you use to fight back against it feels so good when you do them all the time that's the thing that I think we're not like saying do these things and and it's going to be a chore it's like these things can actually be the most empowering things that you can do when women start strength training I don't think I've come across a woman who six months down the line hasn't said wow I feel so capable and empowered now Mm -hmm. right yeah yeah no that is that is like strength training especially for women and who if you do it properly there's a different ways like uh uh, was many if you are not some like you know it i know it uh, if you are some not some fitness professional you don't know what is a proper strength training like what it means like that it's not to watch some youtube workouts and uh, do some glute workout it's 
it's okay. It's still, it's better than nothing for sure. But if you are actually trying to get stronger, like, uh, like uh, I do also, I do a lot of uh, group workouts, like what you said that you, you are starting. I still do every, every week. And, um, and uh, it's, it's totally different. Like, uh, you know, when you are in a group, like uh, as a, when you have a groups, like I, I do have now, I'm not, I know that I could be doing a lot better. Like uh, in a strength, like if you if your goal is to uh, lose or build muscle mass, I'm not I'm not doing those things in group sessions. And that is the thing with the group coaching. You are not or in YouTube videos. The goal is that you know you have fun. It's a, like especially if it's a like a group group class or something. It's the goal is that you have a good time. You know, it's it's for people who are who are maybe they work out once in a week, maybe twice in a week, and uh, it's time to get together. Uh, because if if they wouldn't do that, they wouldn't do anything at all. Well, it's you're you're essentially talking about something that I call like the accessibility into strength training because it can be intimidating for a lot of midlife women to say start strength tra- training. But what you're doing is you're giving them an access point and saying, "Well, start here and see how it feels," and then hopefully and usually it sparks some level of curiosity because they do these classes for five or six weeks and go Mm. actually these feel okay I wonder what else I can do I wonder what else I can add because I'm clearly capable of doing this and that's what that's sort of what we're looking for when we introduce women to strength training right in my book I have a 12-week program and the very simple basic exercises nothing that you haven't seen before but um and and I literally have them doing like uh, two workouts on rotation for four weeks. That's it with progressive overload, but they're very simple at home with dumbbell exercises. And I hope by the end of the 12 weeks, they're like, I can lift heavier than this and I can do more than this. Hopefully you can, right? Because if you're doing it right, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, no, I usually, if, if somebody is coming to me who have never done strength training or is starting, I probably do even one different workout and tell that do it two times a week in the beginning. Like, uh, like you know, that was that was uh, one mistake what I did, uh, and probably you have done it also oh, in the past. Sure. Past, like we have done all these mistakes, and like when people are coming to us, like coaches, like they are usually highly motivated that something have happened and there was that one click, and then now it's getting started, and now I'm paying for a coach uh, for. A, accountability and going and uh, and then you know clients came in and uh, they were saying that i'm i'm not doing anything now and that now i would like to start working out and uh, that uh, how much you have time i have time i can do whatever it takes i go every day or six times a week and i was like wow wow it's let's now go let's go let's go and uh, and uh, designed a program for six times a week and I thought that now you're thinking like that those your own wins, what you can get, like that now we get some transformation picture and uh, and it looking good, like a fast progress. And uh, what reality was that it took like usually two weeks and uh, they quit. And I was like, yeah, what, what what the fuck is going on? Like that, why they, they are just not motivated. And then you understand like more experience you have that, uh, that uh, you can't start that way. Like that it's now I say always like that, if you want to start six times a week, I said, uh, start with the two or three, never, ever more. And, uh, Isn't that funny? No. Yeah. And, and You know, and, when I was 40, I think I sort of, when I was in my 40, I sort of had that epiphany. I think we've moved away from like the muscle confusion and throwing in a cool exercise because you saw it on YouTube or yeah. something. And then you're pulling them back to like, you should only be able to hold the plank for 30 seconds if you're doing it properly. Yeah. That type of conversation. They're like, what? Why are we doing things like that? Because you need to understand tension. You need to understand correct form. You need to understand how to use your whole body. And, and when they start exercising and training like that, they're like, holy shit, this is actually challenging. And I don't need to be doing this six times a week. Right. Yeah, that's what no, you're looking for. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you do it properly, like you do it three times a week, that's a plenty for most people. And it's, it's enough to see, lot of results or even two times a week you know it's it's uh it's uh all like what i what i used to say that it's it's why to work out more if you are happy with results by doing less like work smarter and not harder like uh, it was now community so much that 
harder harder is better and uh, and uh, that's not the reality for most of the people you know especially for women or or older people you have your uh, career you have your family you have your kids uh, other things what you want to you want to enjoy life also it's not the, like our for us coaches fitness is like pretty high priority but for most of the people it's not it's not their own health it should be probably for many people higher than it is but uh, but uh, it's not it's not the uh, really high priority and there you go we find ourselves in that middle ground again right like where that there's obviously lots of people are probably in the u.s about 80 percent of people that do not get enough exercise we're probably in the 10 percent, but we want to like shift that ratio a little bit don't we and you know the training smarter not harder thing is more important than ever especially through perimenopause when i was talking about that the fatigue levels which we know is to do with the estrogen sort of like um, component mm. of of the whole journey um, is that you know I try and encourage women like if they've got like a scripted schedule for workouts and so you know if they have one where they're going to work out two or three times a week three to four times a week um, but fatigue is literally not getting them off the sofa then they have to have some type of body awareness that allows them the capability to say you know, maybe today is not the right day to do that because if I overextend my body, then the recovery is going to be so much harder because mm-hmm. we know that of the cortisol response being impacted. And so I definitely try and give women the permission. Or I obviously don't give them the permission, but try and allow themselves to have that conversation that says, mm-hmm. I get to decide today whether or not I'm going to work out or whether I'm going to push myself. And I think it's really important, but Again, there's a a balance to be had there. And so I use like a scale one to 10 on that. And so if I ever woke up in that one to three scale, that being the most exhausting or symptomatic or whatever, that day a workout's not going to happen. But I insist on making myself go for a walk, even if it's for five minutes, just movement, movement, movement is the key to the underlying success because daily movement compounds and we look forward and we see that it makes us more active adults aging adults and then in the mid-range I'll say well okay I feel good enough to work out I'll maybe just do like a 10-minute workout because I don't have all my energy and that fitness snacking attitude to me is so important to a menopausal women when they're not feeling their optimum and so either they're going to start it and not be able to complete it because they don't feel like it that's okay or they might start it and think oh actually I feel okay I'm going to keep going. Mm-hmm. And then when they're in that later range, that eight to 10, where they wake up feeling pretty normal and energetic, it sees the day, do it, do your workouts, go for it. Um, and sort of give yourself that sort of flexibility, but also remembering on the other side of that, that you are capable and you actually are probably more capable than you think and doing something all or something is better all than all or nothing, right? Because oh, typically, yes. typically we all stop, we'll go, I can't do it today. And I'm like, well, do do something, go for a walk. Like, um, and, and I know how that feels and I know that it will make you feel better. Yeah, and that's, I love it. Like, that is what many, many people, like all in or nothing. And then, you know, you are kind of, they are not excuses. If you really have those, like, there is no, it's never ever going to be perfect days or to work out. But uh, like what I love to say that do not, do not make promises for yourself. If you are struggling with that all in or nothing mindset, and uh, even you have some worst day, like uh, do not make promises what you can't keep to yourself. Like uh, if you're, you have your goal is to work out three times a week. If one day you have a bad symptoms, you don't feel well, uh, get at least started. Like do change your clothes, do minute of workout or go for, go for five minute walk, and then when you have started, you still are like that. Okay, I'm not. Uh, I don't feel well today. That's it. Call it for a day and uh, yeah. and uh, do it for next time. But so you are at the same time you are keeping that promise what you have made for yourself. You tried. You listen to your body. It's not not to push yourself like uh, as hard as possible. It's just to keep that promise and uh, and try next day again. And that's the way how you. Are actually and that, consistent, and that's how you train smarter, and 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 as well, like, and when you do the workouts, like I am, like when you're working out with Tura or myself, it's like 
make the most of your time. Your workouts don't need to be two hours long. It's crazy. No. You can get a really good workout in in 30, 40 minutes, and it can yeah. be enough if it's done properly. Yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I have, I think I have never been <clears throat> that good shape that I'm now. And, and physically, I'm 40. I used to be a professional ice hockey player, but now my workouts, they are never that long. I think if I never spent more than an hour. And uh, and uh, what I what I actually have lately, like what is kind of unsexy stuff is to do some mobility stuff. That's not the, that's that's so beneficial. And I just, just actually got literally a message from one of my clients. Like uh, uh, she had a terrible back pain, lower back pain for four months and uh, did with her yesterday a session just the mobility stuff for hips uh, ankles back and uh, she was like she was yesterday that oh that's it's actually hurting a bit more and uh, today she sent me message that she's crying that the uh, first time in four months she woke up without pain Oh, and, that's uh, amazing! Yeah, like, uh, and it's so like important it's, as we get older yeah, to be yeah. mobile and flexible. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's all, all those like then to avoid injuries, uh, you are not uh, failing, and and uh, and that you are because we are losing it automatically. If you are mostly like uh, sitting in front of the desk, uh, driving a car, watching a phone, uh, and uh, and that all kind of back mobility and shoulder mobility, that's our lifestyle is so sedentary. So. That's uh, it's it it makes just a huge difference and it's it's something what you should not with strength training I think those are like that's what I personally do now it's not that it's right for everybody but uh, for me what I love walking uh, strength training and mobility so I definitely have changed my attitude about going for walks without a doubt like because that was definitely like well that doesn't count and I'm like yeah. walking counts now so there you go yeah yeah I was same I uh, love hiking hiking and uh, when I was younger like walking what does it do it doesn't burn calories it doesn't do anything but it's for especially for mental health that's so yeah. it's the best exercise what you can do yeah, I'm going to Scandinavia in a couple of weeks, actually, with my family hiking. Oh, nice. we're, not going, we're not going to Finland, even though I'm addicted to like the Finland, uh, the Finnish um, detective series. <laughs> yeah. But border town, I love it. Um, but the um, we're going to Norway hiking, and so okay. yeah, like it's such, I, I'm so super excited about it, and um, I, I always tell my kids how important it is because their mental well-being as well is super important. So mine make them get out all the time. Yeah, no, in, in Norway, you have something to hike. In Finland, you have just forest. Like the highest point is, I think, 1,400 meters somewhere. <laughs> like So in Finland, you don't have any mountains. It, but uh, yeah. it's there's a lot of forest, a lot of lakes. So it's a beautiful, especially in summertime. But uh, but uh, for hiking, like what we where I live here in Italy, where you have mountains, like it's a beautiful place. You can just within 30 minutes, you can start from home and uh, go up. Oh, so nice. 3000 meters so altitude also so it's that's something what i what i it's my must uh, it's my way to spend my day off on sundays awesome uh, so amanda then thank you for your time tell uh, please for audience one more time how to find you uh, what is the best way what do you have your book uh, where to get it uh, where to find you in social media your internet so tell everything how people can find you and um, if there is somebody want to work with you or or get how is the what is the best way to do it okay so um the easiest place to find me is at amandathebe.com and from there you can find access to my book i have a podcast which is for women in midlife it's not just about menopause um, and uh, you can also access my social media from there. Um, I don't work with women at all anymore. I just I just don't have that capacity. But I am um, creating with five other women a new resource for menopause that will be out in, I think, November time. And it's going to be um, a one-stop shop where essentially they will have menopause information that's already ready available but it's really hard to find um and also a membership site which is all to do with fitness nutrition mindset yoga education about menopause as doctors part of the company and then there's a clinical assessment side of it as well so that's a big thing I'm working on and I'm excited about it but I'd just like to end by sort of saying to women that you know I mentioned this in the podcast that 
there's a lot of fear around menopause now and it's because we're talking about it more. And I want to sort of remind women that our bodies are capable of doing this, um, but it doesn't have to, and it, but it can be brutal without a doubt for some women. So don't suffer, but also understand that this isn't the end. And, and I like to sort of like, use myself again again as an example here like at 52 I'm the strongest I've ever been I'm the healthiest I've ever been and I don't intend that to stop just because I'm getting older and so we have to fight back against those preconceived ideas that menopause is the end and we're all going to be deteriorating because we're not (laughs) no absolutely love those words uh end note and uh hold up friend Do you love Fit Me Tour Fitness podcast? If so, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. I know every podcaster wants you to leave a review, but it's because those reviews help the podcast to reach more people. I truly want to know what you think and if this particle episode resonated with you, would you also please share it? Either send a link to someone who you think will find it valuable or take a screenshot and post it into your social media and tell your friends and family why they should listen it. Make sure you tag me so I can hear your feedback and give you a little love. And you know, if you aren't already following me on Instagram or TikTok, that's the perfect time to hit that follow button. Thank you for being here and listening to Fit Me to a Fitness Podcast.